Welcome to Story Tell Her. I am your host, Montia Imagini. This platform is designed to share our life's stories. Stories of love and laughter, tragedy and triumph, testimonies and deliverance, healing and hope, inspiration and legacy. Listen and lean into the story. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you to all you lovely listeners for coming back for season two of Story Tell Her. As you know, in season one, the theme of Story Tell Her was all about people sharing their personal stories. But in season two, I decided to change things up a little bit. And I want to discuss our marriage stories. But before I talk about my marriage story, I first want to paint the picture of my wedding story. The date was January 13th, 2007. Yes, my husband and I thought that it would be a good idea to get married in January because our last name is January. Our wedding theme was love. Our colors were red and white. We had about 250 guests at our wedding. Some of our closest family and friends were a part of the bridal party. I think we had 13 (laughs) bridesmaids and groomsmen, which 13 is actually our favorite number, hence getting married January 13th and 13 bridesmaids and groomsmen. And um, the day was absolutely nothing short of amazing and beautiful. When I envisioned our wedding, I always wanted to get married at night in our church, we have this huge, just cathedral window. So that's what we did. And I always said, I'm not going to be late for my wedding. I'm not going to be late for my wedding. But guess what? I was so late for my wedding. And everyone is calling me. Where are you? I was still getting my hair done. So, of course, running late just made me feel so much anxiety. And when I walked into the church, I walked into the room where all the bridesmaids were, and my mom, and my grandmothers, and my aunts, and they were already ready to go. And it was like I froze and just the beauty of everyone and the love and support of everyone. And then it was like time paused and like stood still for me where I couldn't even think anymore. And Danielle and one of my favorite cousins, Chloe, had to literally help me get in my dress And because I was running late, 
we had to move quickly. So I'm getting dressed. All the bridesmaids are lining up and getting ready to go. And I hear our wedding song begin to play so that the party could march in. And our wedding song is The Prayer by Donnie McClurkin and Yolanda Adams. And everybody began to walk out. And I hear my dad's voice outside the door. And I begin to just hyperventilate like, oh my goodness, my dad and my stepdad are getting ready to walk me down the aisle. Like this is really happening. I'm getting ready to become someone's wife. And my Aunt Daphne is there with me, just holding my hand and walking me through the church to the sanctuary. And my bonus dad, Charles, he walks me in first. And it was such a beautiful moment. He grabs my arm and he says, you ready? And I say, yes. And he walks me halfway down the aisle and he gives me to my dad. And he walks me the rest of the way to Antonio with my bonus dad behind me. And they both gave me away. And one of the most beautiful moments to me is when Antonio saw me. Before we got married, I asked him, are you going to cry? Are you going to cry when I walk down that aisle? <laughs> and he's going to get me for this. <laughs> but he said, no, I can't cry in front of my dad and my grandfather. But he broke down when he saw me. And I don't know how to describe, I don't know how to describe that moment other than it being a beautiful moment. And our pastor, Bishop Sneed, did the ceremony. We said our vows. And we both lived happily after, happily ever after, right? That's how the Disney princesses movies did it about 20 years ago. I would always read the stories about Cinderella and Prince Charming and how they had the beautiful wedding. And then it's, they lived happily ever after, the end. <laughs> and it's like, where's the rest of the story? So here's the rest of our marriage story. During pre-counseling, Antonio and I agreed to have a traditional marriage. We both thought and still do believe in traditional marriages where the wife is the breadwinner. I'm sorry, the husband is the breadwinner. The wife serves takes care of the children, and submits. Submission is a beautiful concept as long as it is done correctly. With that in mind of having a traditional marriage, I took off running in the beginning of my marriage. I, we, I wanted my marriage to look like my grandmother's marriage with my grandfathers and Antonio wanted our marriage to look like our pastor and, and first lady's 
marriage. And like I said, I took off running, working the nine to five, coming home, making sure dinner is ready, setting the table, serving, doing all the domestic work. And I just remember after a while, like, I was exhausted. And when you look into someone else's marriage, like you see the beauty of it, but you don't see all of the hard work that goes behind it. And I didn't want to tell my husband that I was exhausted. It was still like early in the marriage. So I drove over to my grandma Willis house. And if you personally know me, then you know how I feel. You'll be able to see it on my face. And as soon as she opened up the door, she just opened up her arms and hugged me. And I just began to cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And I didn't even have to tell her what was happening. She said to me, don't start off doing things in your marriage that you don't plan on continuing throughout your marriage. And that was enough for me. I felt I had the release in the tears. I received a good word of counsel and I was able to go home and continue being the wife after the traditional marriage that my husband and I both envisioned. I recently listened to a marriage story and the woman said that some people expect marriages to solve all their problems. But if you don't go whole into your marriage, it's actually going to expose the problems that you never dealt with. And Antonio and I, we both came from, we both had some traumatic childhood experiences that we didn't deal with entirely. And those traumatic experiences resulted in hot button words that we learned that we couldn't say to each other. And one of those words for me was, oh, you're being so sensitive. I hated that word with everything within me. And it's not the sensitive word that I hated. It was the fact that I was overly sensitive. Everything hurt my feelings. And I just expected Antonio to understand this hurts my feelings. But men are logical. So sometimes, especially early on in marriage, they don't they don't get that. And Antonio's hot button word that I had to learn to not say was, that doesn't make any sense. Now, to me, that was no big deal. If you're having a conversation and somebody says that doesn't make sense, it's not an issue. But for him, it was. So we learned early in marriage not to say those things to each other. 
and pre-marital counseling worked for us, but also post-marital counseling worked as well. And we almost didn't want to go because it was like, I don't want them to know that something is wrong or that we're having issues. But what marriage doesn't have issues when you're trying to put two people together from different backgrounds, you just need the counsel of someone else to to help you through. You need a third party with a different voice to just shed some light. And our post-counseling experience reminded me of Michelle Obama's um, documentary and Becoming. And she talked about how her and Barack went to post-marital counseling and she just knew that the counselors were going to agree with everything that she said. And when they got to premarital, I mean, the post-marital counseling, the counselors pretty much agreed with Barack. And she had to realize, well, I shouldn't be mad at him for taking a nap. I need to just take a nap. Or I shouldn't be mad at him for having the liberty to go to the gym. I should just go to the gym. And that was pretty much my our post-counseling experience where our pastor and first lady helped me to realize that we had the same goal, which was ultimately to have a successful marriage and a God-fearing family. We just needed a little bit of help and direction of walking together in achieving that goal. Recently, my cousin Chloe asked a question in our cousin's chat, which was, what did you have to unlearn once you were married? And one of the things that I had to unlearn is to not be so independent that I don't allow my husband to help me. And with having the mindset of having a traditional marriage, in my mind, the wife is the help me. So she's supposed to be doing all of the helping. And if I have to say that I need help, something's wrong. Or me needing help is a, is a weakness. And it's funny how just one line in a movie could change the way you think. And I remember the movie that Will Smith was in where he played the doctor um, that was helping the, the, the men with the brain injuries from football. And he said, needing help is not a weakness. It's just you need help. And that was one thing that I had to unlearn is to allow my husband to come in and be my hero. Grace Grace Gentry, um, my husband's grandmother's best friend, I remember her telling me early in my marriage because she saw how strong I was and how ambitious I was and independent I was. And she said, you need to learn how to pretend to be weak. And at first I didn't get that. Like, I would never (laughs) pretend to be weak. But now I totally understand why 
she says that. And another thing I had to unlearn is that my husband has feelings. You know, men, sometimes we see men as being, you know, so strong and so hard. And they're taught, some of them, not all of them, are taught like not to express their feelings and not to cry. But he's a real person with real feelings and if though he though he may not express them in the way that I express my emotions he still has them and I had to take that to heart and be mindful of them another thing I had to unlearn is and I don't know when and how this saying became famous is how you know you have two people in a marriage and they are half and half and the half and a half equals one. Like when people would say, see me, they would say, oh, where's your better half? But I recently learned that each spouse should be whole. And that one times one equals one. And that marriage is supposed to multiply you. Marriage demands that you become a better person. You're supposed to put your strengths and abilities together to make something beautiful. To fulfill God's given vision and calling and purpose for your marriage, as well as for you as individuals. What I love about Antonio and I, we do have a lot of things in common but we also have things that are not so common that when we put them together, we become strong. For instance, Antonio is logical and I'm emotional. So he taught me to think things through sometimes and not to make decisions based on my emotions. And Antonio is hard and I'm soft. And I have taught him, especially in relation to his sisters, is you have to be a little bit soft because he doesn't realize sometimes just how stern he can be and how it may come off when he's talking to them. And yes, he's the bigger brother. <laughs> and, you know, they come to him for guidance and wisdom. But, you know, sometimes I have to tell them, do you realize, like, you just hurt your sister's feelings? Um, my husband has an awesome gift of discernment where he can read a room or read people and me. I just be out here trusting everybody. <laughs> and he has to like sometimes literally hold me back. Like, wait a minute to you. And um, my husband, also, he has the gift of saying no. And I admire that in him because I'm always saying yes. Like before, sometimes I even think things through. It's like, yeah, taking you. Yeah, taking you. Yeah. He's not that way. My husband is very people-oriented, and I just love how 
when we're around people, he doesn't have to have his phone. He fully gives his all and his attention to the people who are in the room and he can relax. But me, I'm so task oriented. And even if I'm in a room full of people, I'm thinking about what's the next task that needs to be done. But I look at him and he reminds me to just slow down, be present, be in the moment. And what I also love about him is when it comes to our children and we engage in different activities, he fully engages with them. It's like he is a kid with them. And it's something beautiful to see. And I had to learn that to be a kid too. Be in the moment with them. Laugh, play. And not the mom that's the helicopter mom trying to protect, make sure everything is all good. But we bring balance to each other. We are steady, um, working to help each other fulfill purpose and destiny. And I don't want anyone to get me wrong when I say, when I talk about marriage and the traditional roles and submission. Because one thing that my mentor and mother's knee always like to bring out when she does premarital counseling is that after the Bible says that wives are to submit to the husband, it also says to submit to each other. So there are times where my husband will submit to me. I remember when Antonio was called to the ministry, we were in about our our third year of marriage, which was also the same time that our twin daughters were being born. And we have this whole ministers and deacon wives meeting. And I remember Kathy Lucas saying to me, now that your husband has been called to ministry, you have to pray and ask God what your ministry is. And at the time, like that was foreign to me. I thought, huh? I created to be his help me. I'm just supposed to help him fulfill his role and just submit to whatever it is that he's doing, his call, his dreams, and his aspirations. And so that's what I did. I mean, ultimately, I was called and led to lead children's church, but it is absolutely possible to support each other in the ministry. And that was also something else that I had to unlearn. All right, it was year eight of our marriage and I began to have desires to accomplish some dreams and goals of my own. I wanted to go back to school and finish my degree. I wanted to start my own business to be able to help provide financially for our family. And my husband was on board a hundred and 
10%. Like he was my biggest cheerleader. And I just remember like when I graduated from college, he was there with the camera and like just flicking all these pictures. And then the moment, like, I don't, I don't like a lot of attention. So it felt kind of weird, but at the same time, like it really touched my heart. Like he is more proud of me than, than anyone else. A few of my major takeaways in my marriage story as I begin to think is, is love enough? And that was a, that is a song by Cisco, I believe. And yes, love is enough. Love is still the theme of our marriage, but not the worldly kind of love, like the agape love, the love that is explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There go that number 13 again, where love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no records of wrongs, love does not boast. I didn't really catch the revelation of that kind of love until this year. Like in marriage, you really have to love your spouse through some stuff in order for your marriage to be successful. I remember my aunt Joyce telling me when I got married, that marriage is not going to always be sunshine and rainbows. And it's true. Another major takeaway in my marriage story is that my husband and I keep God at the center. In the book of Ecclesiastes, there is a scripture that talks about a three-strand cord that cannot be easily broken. And our our three-strand cord is me, Antonio, and God. Another takeaway is never stop praying with or for your spouse. One thing I learned during COVID is that my husband and I have to be our own relationship goals. As I stated earlier, you know, we had an idea in mind of how we wanted our marriages to be like our grandparents or like our our pastors and first lady, which is great. But ultimately, we had to build the kind of marriage that works for us. We know what works and we know what doesn't work. And we had to do, we had a lot to learn. I remember listening to Joyce Meyer and she talked about how like, she would always go to God and pray that he would change Dave. But 
God always gave her the conviction to change. And I, I, that is true in my, in my marriage. When I would pray for my husband, God always gave me the conviction to change. We read books to help us along the way in our marriage. And the top five books that I read are the five love languages. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. The power of a praying wife. Created to be his helpmeet. And the power and the purpose of a woman. Dr. Miles Monroe wrote that book and he says something so profound in that book. And he said, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. I'm going to end on the note of God is still writing our marriage story. I recently read a devotional that says there are seven beats to a marriage. Forgiveness. Adventure. Death. And dying to self. Resurrection. Redemption. Revelation. And freedom. Thank you for listening to my marriage story. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Story Tell Her. I hope this story encouraged you, made you think, but more importantly, inspired you to share your story for God's glory. Until the next chapter, this is Montia Imogeny signing off.